Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Bruno, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on, Alex. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. It is first to go. Ball spotted just inside the 10. Algier in. Wilson faked it to him and keeps it. Zach Wilson, the speed, and he dives for the end zone. Touchdown. That's off the Nate. Gibbs, who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three. Now. He's going to get after it again. And look at the speed and the spark and the score from Gibbs. Just what Georgia Tech needed. That's Matt Bruning. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Austin, you tweeted something, bro. You tweeted your running back ranking. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ohio State fan talking there. Oh, shit. That is why you come to the Debbie debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Mace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the time zone that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. That means it's time for the Debbie debate. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nason. I'm Felix Sharp on a Campus to Canton heavy version of tonight's show. We answer how should C2C rosters be structured, the best value after the sixth round of those C2C startup drafts, and what to do after the consensus top four quarterbacks are taken. But we start with some early 2022 recruiting news with quarterback Malik Murphy competing committing to Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorn. Murphy is the number three quarterback in the 2022 class to, of course, the Uber prospect that is Quinn Ewers, the number two pro-style quarterback from uh, Sierra High School in Gardenia, California. Um, So Steve Sarkeesian gets an early quarterback commit. You got to like what he's doing. Uh, Murphy is an interesting player because he only has two uh, high school two high school seasons under his belt. He's only played six games. He was a forty four percent completion percentage as a sophomore year and sixty six point sixty six percent in his freshman year. Has not played a lot of high school football. Hasn't played this his junior season because California. Uh, has delayed their football seasons as a result of the pandemic. Either that or I just can't find his stats. Um, so he's looking to play uh, a season this spring and then and then in the fall before go- joining Texas, uh, probably in January as an early enrollee. I think that you have to like what Steve Sarkeesian is doing at Texas, bringing in you know that Alabama offense, Adding Murphy to Casey Thompson and to Hudson Card, um, and and Card has we're going to talk about him later. Has gotten some legitimate love in, in this C two C startup mock draft that we've done. Some other recruits that Steve Sarkeesian has brought in: uh, Jadon Blue for twenty twenty two, a four star prospect out of Texas, and Armani Winfield, a wide receiver, six two one eighty, another four star prospect. So. You know, if you like that Alabama offense, if you liked what uh, uh, the Atlanta Falcons were doing, you know, Sarkeesian is bringing um, that style of offense to Texas. And I think that, and you guys can disagree with me if you think I'm wrong, but he should be considered on that Kyle Shanahan, Mike Leach, Andy Reid spectrum of coaches who put their players in the best position to succeed. And so I'm really, you know, Texas is a, is a school where you can get a lot of value as far as C2C and Debbie drafts, I think. Uh, so I'm really paying attention to what they're doing there uh, in Texas. Now, it's interesting because I think that a lot of these top quarterbacks stories are intertwined. You've got Quinn Ewers coming out next year who's committed to Ohio State. Um uh, a one-rated uh, quarterback. I think it's the first time it's happened in however many years. You got Kyle McCord, who's the incoming freshman, five-star freshman quarterback at Ohio State. 
uh, and Malik Murphy. All of these stories are intertwined. Let's say hypothetically that McCord wins the starting job, which Matt Bruning believes he's going to do uh, at Ohio State this year. I think that you could see Ewers flip his commitment to Texas. And so that's going to be something this spring, I think is a big spring for Ohio State because of Ewers, because of Texas. Ewers was originally committed to Texas. Now you've got Steve Sarkeesian there who has a, um, a history of developing quarterbacks. And so, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to pay attention to what happens between those three, Murphy, Ewers, and McCord specifically. If this domino, domino falls and Kyle McCord wins the, the starting job at Ohio State, I, I'm really going to want to see what happens to Ewers. So, all right. Uh, actually, trivia for you guys. Um, Malik Murphy coming out of uh, Sarah, or I think it's Sarah High School in California. Uh, any guesses on... Um, famous alumni from Sarah High School. I could just no give idea. it to you. No idea. Is, is it an athlete or are we talking a different athletes? Uh, athletes, athletes, athletes. Hmm. High school. There's actually a few. Hmm. I don't know, actually. I don't even I don't even have a good guess. Yeah. I yeah, have one, no idea. Yeah, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is one. Lynn Swan and Barry Bonds. All attended the school. So, um, very nice. Yeah. 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 Very nice there. All right. Um, the Debbie, the Debbie debate team and uh, in, in conjunction with the Campus to Canton podcast have recently done this heavy hitters mock draft. You may have seen the hashtag on Twitter. Um, it's a super flex. 12-team tight end premium mock draft with a lot of heavy hitters in the Debbie space. Travis May from Rotoviz, Afusu Vu, who rents space in all of our heads, Austin, Kevin Coleman from Hammercast, Ray Garvin from Destination Debbie, Alfred Fernandez, friend of the show from Why Wait Till Sunday, Kane Fassell from Debbie Marketplace, Matt Hicks from NFL Draft Bible, Analyst Jarrett Backus, Corey Pieria from Breakout Finder, and, and Colin from Campus to Canton, and then Austin and Matt uh, were in the draft too. I want to just read the first round, uh, of the first and second rounds of this draft, and we're going to talk about it uh, a little bit. First four picks, all quarterbacks. Number one is DJ Uyagalele goes to Travis May. Spencer Rattler to Fusu Vu. Sam Howe to Mr. Debbie Dietz. Bryce Young to Kevin Coleman. And, and then we start a run on running backs. Bijan Robinson was not the first running back taken. It was Brees Hall to Corey P uh, P Pereira. I'm going to make sure I try to say that right. Corey Pereira, Pereira, uh, Bijan Robinson, Tank Bisbee, Isaiah Spiller, Garrett Wilson, Jameer Gibbs, David Bell, and then the fifth quarterback taken in the first round, Jaden Daniels from Ohio State. That, that was the first round. The second round, Keaton Slovis. Uh, to Matt Hicks, Traylon Burks, to Jared Backus, George Pickens, to Alfred Fernandez, Eric Gray, to Kane Fassell, Kayshawn Bote, to our own Matt, our, our own Matt Bruning, Eric Gilbert, the first tight end off the board at 206, to Ray Garvin, Travion Henderson at the 207, to uh, Colin Decker, Kyron Williams, to Corey Piera, Marvin Mims, to Kevin Coleman, Rakeem Jarrett, the Maryland wide receiver, to Austin. Kendall Milton uh, to Fusu Vu. And Chris Olave rounds out the top 24 picks to Travis May. Bruning, are there any particular picks that stand out to you out of the first 24? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I kind of feel like this is – I'm, I'm interested because we didn't compare this to obviously we're doing our own a group of us are, are doing our own one that we did before we brought in these guys to do this one and I, I'd be curious to see how that that kind of goes with what they did here I, I mean I took as you mentioned oh hang on excuse me yeah sorry it's still very cold in my house at the moment um uh, I, I took Isaiah Spiller. I, I, I honestly probably should have taken Jameer Gibbs because I do like Gibbs a little bit more than Spiller, but 
I was kind of looking at it as I didn't own Spiller in a lot of places. And if I if this really was a, a realistic draft, not just a mock draft, I probably would have gone Spiller here because I think he's going to give you that college production this year. And then I want to get him into the NFL as quickly as possible. But, you know, Garrett Wilson, I guess, maybe the first wide receiver taken off the board. As much as I love Garrett Wilson, that was probably a little bit surprising to me. Uh, I've got David Bell ranked ahead of him. I know Colin does as well. And then the podcast we've talked about, I'm sure – uh, Austin there would have probably gone Pickens and maybe even Burks over Garrett Wilson. So uh, I'm curious to, to see what your guys' thoughts were. If I had to pick one to stand out, I guess it would be Wilson. And then in all honesty, maybe Marvin Mims that high as well at 2-9. Austin, any particular picks that stood out to you? Um, yeah, I th- so, I mean, it's, it's really, really hard to necessarily knock any of these picks because yeah you could probably rearrange most of these names however you wanted and that's ge- probably generally at least for the next couple months how the top 24 are going to go i did think eric gray probably went a little too early because i don't think he's going to give that much production next year and then you know whether he's rb4 in that class or not i still think you know i would take travion over him you know i think you know you're going to yeah. get some really nice years out of travion coming up here um and i have kyron williams rated higher than him as well um, so those are probably the two that stand out to me. Um, and I, I think Slovis went too early, but I know that he is Matt Hicks guy and he wouldn't have been there, you know, cause Matt was at the turn. He wouldn't have made it to, you know, the three twelve. So I don't, you know, this, th- these drafts are very much get your guy, you know, mm-hmm. especially, <laughs> I mean, early too, but like, it's like once round five hits, you know, it's kind of the wild west. So I, I don't knock anybody for going to try to get the, the guy that they want, even if it's a little bit early. You know, Fusuvu is known for having um, uh, very strong opinions on Twitter, and he went Kendall Milton there at the end of the second round um, uh, over some other guys, and there's still a loaded backfield depth start there at Georgia. And so that actually makes me pay attention a little bit more. But Georgia is RBU, uh, but Milton is, is still – you, you got to think that he's not going to be the main guy until 2020 – the 2023 season, uh, bec- or excuse me, the 2022 co- college season because you have to think that Zamir White is going to carry the load uh, this year for the Bulldogs. By the way, I'm buying all my Bulldogs uh, this year, especially in in C2C formats. I think that uh, Georgia is going to be in the college football playoff, and I think they're going to have a very explosive offense with with Burton and JT Daniels and George Pickens and all the running backs that they have, including Dalvin Cook's little brother. So, um, but that may, but Vusuvu taking Kendall Milton that high makes me pay attention and it makes me want to reevaluate how I am valuing him. Now, uh, speaking of value, it's a there's a very clear tier of quarterbacks at the top. DJ Uyagalele, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Bryce Young. I think that most people would have either Rattler or Howell, the 2022 class ahead of the the two sophomores. But after that, there seems to be a big drop off and there's not a lot of consensus on what should be done after those four are taken? Austin, what do you recommend for C2Cers who, who get the fifth pick and, and they're in a super flex draft and they don't have an opportunity to take one of those uh, one of those top four quarterbacks? How are you approaching that position if you don't get one of the top four? So <clears throat> first off, I think if you don't get one of those top four, then you uh, have to just be happy to wait. On quarterback, I don't think you force it at that point. I think that's a really bad idea, and that's how you're going to get yourself into a little bit of trouble value-wise. Because those those first couple rounds are the real money rounds. You know, you should be getting high-end Devi guys in those first, you know, 24 to 36 spots. You know, you shouldn't be taking a lot of big question mark guys. I I am curious to see who who emerges as that fifth guy, though. Um, you know, we've done two of these mocks now and we're going to be doing a lot more of them here over the next couple of months. So I'm, I'm interested to see where ADP moves, especially once, you know, spring season happens and things like that. But um, even if you look like, you, you know, just like in straight Debbie, like the Debbie watch guys have been doing their mocks recently as well. And they're they're seeing just from a pure Debbie standpoint, it looks like the last one they did. Bryce Young went seventh overall and then there wasn't another quarterback until twenty nine. That is an enormous gap. I can't remember yeah. a gap like that in recent years. Uh, so I think it, you don't panic, but if you don't get one of those top four, which I think will all be gone in the first six picks, I'd be really shocked if any of them fell below that. Then you just uh, either start trying to trade back or you're just happy to load up on probably running backs. I think a lot of running backs, there's you know, there's some really good values there in those first couple rounds. 
Burning, how are you approaching quarterback if you don't get one of those top four? Uh, I mean, realistically, the same as as what Austin said. You're you're just kind of waiting. I mean, I'm I'm higher on Jaden Daniels than than some are, so I might take a stab at him just because I think he has upside. Obviously, kind of struggled last year and didn't really help his stock any. But he's a guy that I maybe probably I wouldn't have an issue taking in the second round, which I think he went. I don't have the heavy hitters one up. Did he go second round in ours or he go first round? Uh, Jaden Daniels went at the end of the first. End of the first. Okay. Oh yeah, because Hicks yeah. took both of them. Because yeah. so, I pulled up, I pulled up the one that we did, and it's interesting because obviously, as you guys talk about, it's the same four guys. But then after that, you had C.J. Stroud, Brock Vandergriff mixed in with with Slovis and Daniels, and then almost like what you were just mentioning with the Debbie watch, a massive drop off to where the next quarterback taken wasn't until pick thirty eight. So you had those seven guys go, and then we didn't see another quarterback go till round 38. Now, I took C.J. Stroud in the heavy hitters one when he came back around there just because I think I actually got him – where did I get him? Round three, I think, in in, in the heavy hitters one. And that was just because at that point I needed a, a quarterback. I had gone Spiller and uh, Boutte with my first two picks, and I was like, all right, I need to get a quarterback now. I knew I'd be able to get Grant Gannell. I probably took him around too early than when I probably could have gotten him, uh, but I wanted to get that top quarterback. So for me, a guy like Stroud, I think stands out if you can get him in that third round again. And the one we did, uh, he went still in the first round. He he went, he didn't even make it to pick 10. So I think you are going to have, especially, I mean, I'm not even the one who drafted him in that, but uh, those Buckeye homers, the Buckeye homer who drafted him in, in that draft, and then the other Buckeye homers are likely going to take him early. But if you can get a guy like C.J. Stroud in the third round, I think I'd, I'd, I'd take that instead of waiting till pick 29 to get a quarterback. Just to give a sense, I mean, my after the top four, my quarterbacks are uh, Keaton Slovis, Carson Strong at six, J.T. Daniels at seven, uh, Jaden Daniels at eight, Grayson McCall at nine, and C.J. Stroud at ten. I don't think any of those guys you have to reach for really in the first round, and I don't feel like I have to reach for one of those guys in the second round either. I'll just let somebody fall to me, especially someone like Grayson McCall, who's going to be you know the number one or nor- number two quarterback in uh uh, on the NCA side of campus to Canton leagues with his rushing and passing ability. He's going to be that for the next at least two years. And I can grab him, you know, in the th- third, fourth round, and he still has some NFL potential. And you got to consider, you know, another late round option is Malik Willis. Malik Willis has one year left. And if you get McCall and Willis, you're putting yourself, um, well ahead of your competition at the quarterback position because those guys have to be considered, you know, top five quarterbacks on the NCAA side of uh, of your leagues. Um, it, 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 I think the Austin, you mentioned not panicking. Now, full disclosure, we did have one mock draft before this heavy hitters mock draft, and those four quarterbacks were gone, and I had the sixth or seventh pick, and I took Brock, Brock Vandegrift, who I'm very high on. Wouldn't do that again, and I was satisfied with my team, but I wouldn't do that again uh, if I had to because there are other freshman quarterbacks that you could take later. Uh, in the heavy hitters I, in the heavy hitters draft, um, uh, Sam Heward went really late. You know, there's Tyler Buchner. There's, I mean, I could have got Vandergriff in the seventh round if I wanted to. Hudson Card, who we talked about earlier, that's somebody who's probably who could explode next year. Michael Penix Jr., who if he just stays healthy, he's going to be, you know, a quarterback that can give you between 25 and 40 points a game on the NCAA side. So there are lots of options. I, I think that the key there is is just not not panicking like I did in that first draft take. But but even if you do panic, take someone that you like. Take someone that you like. All right. Travion Henderson went 207 in this draft. And when I look at the the running backs that were taken ahead of him, I could see him becoming a, you know, maybe the fifth overall uh, pick in, in C2C startups drafts ahead of Brees Hall. I mean, he should start next year at Ohio State. He has the Christian McCaffrey comp. We know what his, his athleticism and his upside is. Ran for damn near 2,500 yards his last year in high school. I mean, he's someone that if you're getting at even at the 206 or whatever it was, that could be a value compared to where he's selected after the spring, after we get news about whether or not he's, he's starting and in, in, um, running with the first team. Burning. Do you see Travion Henderson reaching the you know the first round, high first round in C2C startup drafts by this time next year? 
Oh, but this time next year, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's going to likely, I think, be where Brees Hall is being taken. Like you just kind of mentioned there a minute ago. He went at 105 in this heavy hitters one. I think I'm pretty sure Brees Hall was the first quarterback. Was it Bijan in our other one? Bijan, but then Brees Hall went second, and he went at 108. I, I think that that's where Travion Henderson's going to go. He's going to go somewhere in there. I still think you're going to get, obviously – the Youngs, uh, who's the other guy I'm looking for? DJU going. You're going to have some quarterback step up that played good this year, whether it's a CJ Stroud who wins the starting job at Ohio State. Hudson Card maybe balls out at Texas this year. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who else might off the top of my head. Grayson McCall, Carson Strong, any of those guys might – well, no, Carson Strong will be gone, won't he? So, but Grayson McCall will still be there. You have guys who are going to ball out. So those quarterbacks I still think will go in that top round. Then you get those court, the running backs going. I don't know that Travion Henderson is going to start the year. I do think that they're going to still lean on Master Teague just with having, as we've talked about here, you're going to have for the most part a, a freshman quarterback, even if it's C.J. Stroud who wins it as a sophomore. He, he's only played like 17 snaps. I understand he's got a rushing touchdown of over 60 yards, as you guys pointed out to me. But he didn't do much outside of that. He didn't get a lot of playing time. So I think they're going to lean on Master Teague early. I see it being like a 60-40 split with Teague and Henderson. And then once the season starts going, if Henderson really starts to take off like we all expect him to, then he'll take over that starting role. And then obviously Master Teague, even if he – for whatever reason, is able to come back next year. I, I think it's going to be Henderson's job at that point. So, yeah, I think he's easily going to jump up and be, in my expectation, I still think Bijan would go ahead of him, but I could, I don't see an argument for anybody else for, for sure being taken over Travion Henderson outside of Bijan. Austin, if somebody, those four quarterbacks are taken and then somebody says, I'm taking Travion Henderson 105, do you have a problem with that? Uh, yeah, because of Bijan's presence you know if Bijan sure. wasn't alive or you know wasn't playing college football or whatever then yes I think that there because the only thing keeping Trivion's value down is we're just not exactly sure what his touches are going to look like the first year right like we're all in agreement at that point otherwise because he's gone to a powerhouse program where he should have all the opportunity after this year I think that's really the only thing that's that's uh a limiting for him at this point in time um, and the fact, I mean, let's, uh, let's not forget that he has prior coming in with him as well, who I also very much like. And I think anytime Henderson is talked about, especially in this type of a format, you also have to talk about prior because I think their fates are going to be intertwined over the next three or four years. Um, but I think he, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a first round pick by the time, you know, all it's going to take is a couple little reports from spring practice, assuming that we have them, that he looks good. And I think that he's just going to shoot shoot up boards. Um, and I think after Bijan, he probably has just as much upside as any running back in the in college. That, that should have been the question: is after the the four quarterbacks and after Bijan is taken, do you have a problem with with someone grabbing Henderson? And I I think you would you wouldn't have a problem with that. Is that fair? It's so hard for me to say that somebody should go one hundred six that hasn't played a snap in college football yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I think I, I would have not have a problem saying I think he could be a first round pick. I would have a problem saying he should go one hundred six. Gotcha. All right. For what it's worth, uh, Evan Pryor, the running back who was also going to Ohio State that um, Austin mentioned, we are through the tenth round of the heavy hitters draft, and he has not been selected yet. So, all right. Um, Jameer Gibbs, he goes here at the one uh, one ten. Now, he was a four-star prospect that emerged last year, um, and many were high on him, and his value jumped. But I think I got him in the after the 30th round of a C2C startup last year. Is there any – Austin, is there any freshman running back that you could see making a similar jump in C2C startups where, you know, you can get them in the 30th round now, but next year they're going to be a first, second uh, – first or second round c2c startup pick 30th round no but i do think the two likely guys to see playing time and have you know kind of the profile to to match that are either going to be travion cooley or kamaro edmonds travion cooley is going to louisville our guy alfred just did a 
I uh, talked a lot about him on one of his Why Wait Till Sunday shows. Um, he's my RB5 in the class, and he's like the 23rd ranked running back in the composite or something. But Louisville, wide open backfield, and he looks really, really good. Not, I mean, everyone I talk to says, I don't know why this kid is ranked 23rd overall. Unless there's something going on behind the scenes, we don't know. Um, he's really, really good. Really good athlete. Reminds me, He's very like DeAndre Swift-like, in my opinion. I think that's kind of the profile that he has. And then Kamaro Edmonds, who's going to UNC uh, with – um, uh, both the guys leaving there this this year with Javante and Michael Carter. They bring in Ty Chandler from Tennessee, who's a solid player and probably will be a late round NFL draft pick. But I don't think you know he's not a stud. He wouldn't be. It wouldn't. He wouldn't prohibit a guy coming in if they look really good from splitting the touches. You know, fifty fifty with him and then having that backfield all to himself the year after. So I think those are probably the two guys. And, and they also kind of match with Gibbs in the sense that I think going into C2C drafts last year, uh, Gibbs, Bigsby, and Marshawn Lloyd were kind of like the guys that were outside that weren't five stars that everyone was like, watch out for these guys. They're going to be good. Two of them were awesome. And then Lloyd got hurt in the preseason and we don't know yet. Uh, he's at South Carolina. We'll see if he breaks out this year or not with Kevin Harris there. But I think Cooley and Edmonds are probably the two guys that by the time drafts roll around this year are going to be getting that same level of hype. You know, Edmonds would have been my answer for this question. We've profiled Edmonds earlier on a Debbie debate episode. He's got the requisite size at 225 pounds. So he's going on the campus with the size that he needs. That backfield is relatively shallow, except for, um, except for for Chandler. He's going to be able to play with Sam Howe. Uh, for what, at least one more year. And then even after that, he's got Drake May coming in, who's a very uh, highly touted quarterback. So I, if there was a if there was a player that I would have identified for this to the answer to this question, it would have been Kamaro Edmonds uh, as a four-star. But that being said, I don't like him as nearly as much as I liked Gibbs last year. So, all right, let's 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 move on here. Again, I th- we're through the, um, through the 10th round or so. And looking guy? at – Oh, go ahead. We're going that. Because I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna make you happy. I was all excited about this one. Oh. I think it's, I think it's gonna be Edwards. I really Edwards. do. I oh. really do, and it hurts me to say that. But they've really got is, nobody else that? on that who roster. Is that running? Donovan Edwards. Tell us who that, that is. Donovan Edwards, the running back, 5'11", 190 out of that team up north. Uh, he's going there. Obviously, really just has Haskins. I think that he's gonna compete with and. I mean, Ohio State recruited him. There's all the talk about how Ohio State really wanted him. He ends up going to, for whatever reason, that team. I, I really don't understand why, but I think he's one of the best running backs in this class. And again, I don't think I like Hassan Haskins. I think he's a good college running back, but I don't think he's going to be anything that could keep Edwards from seeing the field. So if Edwards actually goes out there and produces in that offense, I don't see why he couldn't jump up as high as Jameer Gibbs is right now because you're going to have. I would think anybody impeding him then the next two years, and then you're going to get that NFL. I mean, who I just had it up, but Alan True, who will foreshadow you might see here eventually at some point on this show, has him ranked. Was he compared him to Alvin Kamara? So if he can do anything like that at the college level, and then you get that kind of production at the NFL level, I mean, as much as I hate to draft people like that, I don't. I don't think Corum's that good, Austin. But I did forget about Corum. Different roles, different roles. Yeah. Although I I got to say. So Alan is much more of a uh, practiced hand, practiced eye than I am. I don't see Kamara at all in Edwards' skill set. I think he's much, or and yeah, he's much more of a. I want. I don't want to say like a banger or a plotter. You know what I mean in that sense. But I definitely don't see the pass catching upside there. That uh, I don't know how Felix feels about him. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was going to say, I can't believe I'm here. I'm going to sit here and dog a Michigan player when you've touted him, Bruning. But I don't agree with you. I mean, and and Edwards is one of those players that is falling uh, out of the rest of the run. I mean, he's the second rated running back. And, you know, he is just falling in drafts. And no one really believes in him. And it's because that Michigan team hasn't developed offensive talent. That and the fact that Jim Harbaugh is always running like five guys out there. If there was any of those players that I, that I liked above the others, it is Blake Horn because he has the all-purpose skill set and he played relatively well last year in comparison to the other running backs. But I I don't see the pass catching upside with with uh, Edwards. I see it with Corum. And so if there's any running back that I'm taking at Michigan, it would be it would be Blake Corum. All right. Let's 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 dive a little bit deeper into this draft, um, Austin. Maybe I could start with you here if I could throw it to you. Um, 
any players that we that we like after the fifth round or so, I'm gonna just gonna throw some picks out there to give you guys a sense of who was taken in this range. Sam Heward goes at the 604 to Kane Fassell. Brew McCoy goes at the 606 to Ray Garvin. Noah Kane goes at the 607 to Colin Decker. The aforementioned Donovan Edwards goes at the 609 to Kevin Coleman. Theo Johnson, very interesting pick for me. Theo Johnson is from Windsor, Canada, right across the river from Detroit. Went to Penn State, a, a, pro, a prospect who played wide receiver a lot uh, at, at Windsor and then didn't get on the field last year for Penn State. He goes at the 6'11 to Fusu Vu. Jerion Ely, the baseball player and running back at Old Miss, goes at the 6'12 to Travis May. Highly touted Kamar Wheaton goes to Travis May again at the 701. Um, Debbie Dietz, a favorite of his, Jerome Ford goes at the 703. Jadon Hazelwood, who's reco- recovering from injury at Oklahoma, goes at the 706 to Colin Decker. Um, Ramon Davis, a favorite of Mr. Bruning, goes at the 707 for uh, to Ray Garvin. All right, I think I've filibustered enough here, Austin. Is there a, a player or two, any player, not one the ones that I know after the sixth round that you found interesting here? Uh, so call, I think Colin through seven rounds has the has the best team like fairly clearly in this draft. Um, I haven't loved his last two picks, but I thought his first seven were pretty much just snagging the best value possibly available on the board. Um, and Hasselwood's definitely, or Hazelwood, however, you, I don't know how you say it. He's definitely a guy that stands out to me because there's a very real chance that he's the alpha at Oklahoma next year. Um, you know, uh, the former five-star guy came in there with Mims, or not with Mims, with uh, Weiss, um, who was also a very highly ranked receiver. Um, and I think no one stood out there so much last year that you, you know, there's an undisputed first guy there. So I think any of, of those two or Marvin Mims could be the first guy there. And you get him however many rounds later than those other two guys. So I think that's a great pick. And the other one that stood out to me here, well, I got Jojo Earl at the 810, which like <laughs> I was very, 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 very happy about because he's my third rated receiver in this class. And I kind of forgot he was still on the board, to be honest. Um, in Austin, who is Earl and where is he going to school? What's his skill set like? Yeah. So I, I posted a little clip of him the other day on Twitter when I, or, you know, I, I'm writing a little piece on him right now. He is, um, I think he's the number seven wide receiver in the, the composite, something like that. He's going to Alabama. He flipped on signing day from LSU to Alabama uh, from Texas, played at a very high level of competition there. Uh, a bit undersized. He's like a 5'10", 170 or so. But I truly believe he's the next great undersized wide receiver prospect. He has a very versatile skill set. He's kind of like, you know, I've been saying about Rondell Moore for weeks where he can play – in a very, you know, you can manufacture him touches and he can be very, very dangerous. But I think he's also technical enough as a wide receiver to work within an offense and be very successful that way. And with Bama, like Bama, people think Bama always has these wide receivers and they do, but they're actually kind of, you know, the cupboard's bare there right now. They don't have that much, the proven uh, outside of John Mechie there. You know, you have Slade Bolden, who's like a nothing slot receiver. And then uh, not a lot else. You know, Javon Baker was rumored to kind of be the next guy up there. And then you have a bunch of other guys that, you know, were four-star guys. You know, they're not slouches. Um, but then they don't have anybody that can fill the Waddle or Ruggs role on that roster, in my opinion, right now. So I think you have Earl going in there, who's very athletic, will probably fill one of those two roles. And then uh, Christian Leary very well may as well. He's the number – well, my number six receiver, and he's right around there in the composite as well going to Bama. So Bama restocks this year, no surprise. But – I think Earl could be the first of those guys to break out. Um, so getting him in the eighth round, I thought was uh, uh, kind of fevery, I guess. There are three players that I want to pull out here. One is Carson Strong taken at the 10.04 by Debbie Kane. Listen, Carson Strong, it doesn't matter if you're not watching uh, West Coast football, but he has first round potential. There's already – respected analysts out there, including Ryan Roberts of the uh, Believe podcast, who identified him as a potential first round candidate. He could pop up um, and 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 he can score you points on the NCAA side. He's another one of those guys who's going to be a top 10, 15 ish quarterback that that Nevada team started late. So a lot of people didn't see uh is that the Mountain West Conference? Uh, whatever conference it is, they didn't they started late and, and people 
for that reason and because their game starts so late, people didn't see them. But but Carson Strong has really um, developed from his freshman year, and he's a value. I think I said I have him ranked fifth. I have him. I've been ranked sixth. I have him ranked sixth, uh, my sixth quarterback. And so to get him here at 10.04 is a steal. That was uh, Kane Fassell who got them at the at the 10.04. The other one is uh, Tolua Tagovailoa. Kane Fassell gets him at the 9.09. I identified Indiana not as a C2C value team, but as a team that could have upset people last year, that Penn State game, I called that game. Um, this year it's it's Maryland. Maryland is the team that I think is going to knock off Ohio State, at least one of the teams that's going to knock off Ohio State and surprise people. I think they're going to finish in the top 25, and it's behind to a, a Talua Tagavi Aloa. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He has decent arm strength, and I think that he could emerge as a potential day one or day two uh, quarterback in the next two years. And then the third quarterback is Graham Mertz. Corey Pierre taking him at the – 905. I'm very high on Graham Mertz. They need somebody there to stretch the defense, or it's going to be more of the same uh uh that was that uh, uh this past year. You know, Bruning likes to make a lot of excuses about G Scott not playing because he got COVID-19. Well, so did so did Graham Mertz, and he still played. He played terribly, but he still played, and he's a guy that I'm I'm just really high on. I'm not usually high on pure drop back passers, but I think that Graham Mertz processes the field like no other quarterback that I've seen. It's just that once he gets through all three of his reads, there's nobody open. And so he is a, definitely a value uh, for me at, at the 905. I have him ranked 19 overall. Uh, uh, 18, I have uh, two attack of low. I have 18. So these are they're slightly lower rated, but they're quarterbacks that I really believe in. And I think that their values here, I think that their values here, especially when you consider the potential um, NFL potential of Graham Mertz, the NFL potential of target Tua Tagovailoa, Villaloa, but probably the, the best potential of all three of those players is, is Carson Strong who went the latest burning. Are there um, a player or two or that you uh, found interesting after the sixth round? Well, yes, I, I agree with the Carson Strong take. I know you're not in the chat. I was I was pretty pissed with Kane when he took that. I was I was hoping to grab Carson Strong there, and and he got him. I I'm with you. I have him ranked right now in in my rankings as as QB six. I I like him um, a lot. You were the one who who turned me on to him last year, and I've been a big fan. Uh, I'm, I also agree with you guys talking about Hazelwood earlier. I took him at four, in the fourth round of our other C2C mock because I am very big on him. So for Colin to get him in the seventh round is ridiculous. I'm going to say the same thing about Raymond Davis, who Ray took the pick after Hazelwood. I am very high on Davis. As everybody knows, I think he's got a good shot to be very productive at Vanderbilt next year and has some NFL upside. So you get a guy like that in the seventh round. Uh, I thought, um, I can't remember who it was. Someone took G Scott in the eighth round. Absolute steal. I mean, Austin's over here talking about Joe, Joe Earl in the eighth. Complete thievery of G. Scott there in the eighth. Um, but you mentioned Malik Willis. I thought that was a great pick by Ray. Uh, just as you mentioned, you're going to get a lot of points out of him in that in that NCAA side. And I think he has a chance to be like a backup quarterback in the NFL somewhere. So that we've seen, especially with the way a lot of quarterbacks went down this year, that, uh, that definitely can be uh, helpful. And then there was uh, – one more where's it? Oh yeah, Peyton Manning at nine five there. That was great. Great pick by whoever uh, who was that again? Corey. Corey taking Peyton Manning there at nine five. I agree. It was just just absolute steal. Felix has no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, Felix about. is confused. He's already <laughs> forgotten about his what? his comp. Yeah. <laughs> my comp for, for Graham Mertz. Yeah. I've yeah. I've i forgot my my comp for Graham Mertz. And it wasn't really a comp. It was it, whatever. It was a skill comparison. All right. Is there Isn't is there one is? team? Is there one team above uh, all the other teams here that you thought, Austin, are you already calling it for Colin? Yeah, like I, I think he had the best first seven rounds. Um, and then I haven't really loved – he went Ty Thompson in the eighth round and Jalen Robinson in the ninth. And I think that's a little early for both of those guys. Now, I mean, Thompson, you know, with Shuck transferring here from Oregon – he has a chance to be the starter this year. And if he is the starter as a freshman at Oregon, that's pretty, pretty good. Um, so I, there, there's definitely some upside there with that pick. Um, and I also really like Alfred's team. Um, 
he had he took Jameer Gibbs first, and he took Pickens, Ritter, Jacory Brooks, who is another freshman receiver going to Alabama. He's number two in the composite, and he is a bigger, like 6'3", 185, a little bit of that bigger body. I I really, really, really like him. Tyler Buchner, Demarcus Bowman, who I think is a bit forgotten about, but was a five-star last year. And I never loved, loved him, but I think that um, he's probably the most talented back at Florida next year. We'll see whether he gets those touches or not. Um, and then, you know, George Halani, whether he's an NFL guy or not, should have a couple nice years here at Boise. Donovan Green, the wide receiver at Wake Forest, who's just a big athletic, you know, can kind of do a little bit of everything, but mostly a field stretcher. Jeff Sims, the really raw but talented quarterback at Georgia Tech. And then he took a guy, and I'm going to give him a little bit of a shout-out here for going bold, but also I think very, very smart. And Alfred has been doing some playing around recently with athletes or players that are designated as athletes in the, the rankings but end up playing offense because those guys tend to present a lot of value, especially for people that just go on to 24-7 they sort the rankings by, you know, quarterback or running back or wide receiver. And if you do that, these guys do not show up in those rankings. So some of these guys, every year there are players, you know, Diamante Trianum was a huge one last year, was one of my favorite running backs, was listed as an athlete. And I think he's my fifth rated running back in the class now, you know, and I think at worst you have him as seventh or eighth in a loaded running back class. Jordan Addison last year. Um uh, who's the guy for uh, Wally, Jaden Wally from Mississippi State. There are athletes every year that end up playing offense that do really big things. Billy Bowman is listed as an athlete. And as Alfred has has told me a couple of times now in different places, he wants like he's a DB and a wide receiver, but he wants to play receiver. He was originally committed to Texas and he ended up dropping his commitment there because they wanted to play him at DB, and he and his family think that he can play wide receiver. So he's going to Oklahoma. He went to the other side of the Red River uh, shootout or rivalry or whatever term they're using for it now. And after their big three wide receivers, they really actually do not have that much at wide receiver at Oklahoma. They have Mims, they have Hazelwood, and they have Weiss. And then not a lot else. So Bowman could go in there, play right away. And he is just an extremely, extremely dynamic athlete. He could be a guy that we're talking about in like the second or third round of C2C startups next year. So I think that was a very inspired pick by Alfred. Um, and he, he said he, he made the pick for the clout so that he can he can say that he did it a year from now if he ends up blowing up. But I think even outside of that, it was just a really smart pick by him. Bruning, any team that stands out uh, above the others for you? Uh, you know, there's a. I kind of like what Travis May did. I, I would. I, I'm interested to see if he grabs another quarterback because I know we're not all really that high on Caleb. Well, I know me and Austin are not that high on Caleb Williams, uh, but I like his running backs. I like his wide receivers, Olave, Jordan Addison, Dotson. I, I really kind of like what Fusu Vu has done as well. He's actually put together a pretty good team. Uh, Ray, I think has a good team. There's that sports fanatic and B guy like his squad quite a little bit as well. Um, Debbie Dietz is okay. Uh, but I, I guess I kind of have to lean with him and go Collins right now, just because he's got a bunch of guys that I, I, I was kind of hoping I was going to get in McMillan, Hazelwood. Um, you know, I'm Ty Thompson. I think man, he probably just jumped on that because that was right around the time that, um, what was it? The news came out that uh show or Chuck was transferring. Yeah. Chuck was transferring. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I think a lot of these teams, the only one and, and Kane, if you're watching, you know, I love you, buddy. He went really heavy quarterback, which I guess you, I understand with it being seat, uh, super flex, obviously on the campus side and then going into the Canton. But I mean, outside of that, I, I I value, as I know Austin does, winning on the college side. And obviously, there's still a lot of this draft to go. But I don't see him winning much college side with as many quarterbacks as he has because he's not going to really be able to build out his roster that well, in my opinion. So I get why he did it. And if all those quarterbacks hit, he's going to be loaded when they get to the NFL side. He's going to have a lot of value uh, in that side of it. But I think as heavy as he went in on quarterback, I think it was um, I, it's not something I would do. It's not a strategy I like. I'd go as far well, as to actually, say I don't really like his skill position guys that he's taken either. Like he he's Wilson, really swung but he's swung for the fences at like every single one of those yeah. picks. So I mean, but he like Garrett Wilson, Eric Ray, Demont Demoss, who I'm just not that high on. I think he's going way higher than I would feel comfortable taking him. And then Justin Ross with his first four picks. You know, <laughs> two of those guys, you know, Justin Ross might not really be playing football anymore, and Demoss hasn't played in two years. 
So I, I don't know. I, I, his early round picking kind of scares me a little bit, but a lot, a lot of upside there if everybody hits. Another team I want to just highlight uh, Ray Ray Garvin's team and Corey Pierre's team because they also waited on quarterback. Ray Garvin ended up with Grayson McCall and Malik Willis, so I think he has an advantage there on the C two C side because those players are going to start and put up thirty plus points a game. Then his running backs are Ramon Davis, Jalen Berger, who I'm I'm high on, uh, Tank Bigsby, who everyone's high on, Keontae Ingram and C J Vardell. Uh, those player, some are high on Ingram. I, I'm not. Did he transfer to UCLA? Where, where did Ingram U- go? Was USC it? or USC, USC? USC. He went to USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then he gets he gets Eric Gilbert. That's a plus there at tight end. It's gonna yeah. he's gonna produce on the C two on the NCAA and NFL side. Drake London and Brew McCoy at wide at wide receiver. So he obviously uh, likes these USC Trojans. Um, and then Corey Pierre, who also waited until the seventh round to take his first quarterback. Though he got Brock Vandegrift, who I'm very high on. And then Matt Corral. Um, Matt Corral is a player that I really want to study because he's well. First of all, he was a I think he was a five star uh, quarterback whenever he came out. He produced. He had this one bad, you know, seven interception game this season. But um, but but otherwise, Matt five interception game. But otherwise, Matt Corral made some really nice plays this year, and he has some mobility, and so that could be a potential value. I actually want to study Matt Corral a little bit more um, uh, over this offseason. And then he gets Graham Mertz. But his skill position players are running back, Brees Hall and Kyron Williams, uh, and then wide receiver, a couple of real values, Jermaine Burton, who's going to be the most athletic wide receiver at the Combine whenever he goes, uh, Quentin Johnson, who a uh, friend of the show, um, uh, Brandon Lejeune, is comped to Randy Moss, John Mechie, who's going to be in the running for the number one receiver for uh, Bryce Young at Alabama, and then EJ Williams, who could be the number one receiver for DJ Uyagalele at, at Clemson. So, that's just to give you a sense on uh, the player, the 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 teams that waited on quarterback and what they look like. Um, there's one. We got some other questions about this this C two C draft, but there's just maybe just one pick that I want to highlight here and get your sense on. Uh, our friend Jarrett Backus took Jalen Widemeyer over uh, Michael Mayer. He took Widemeyer. Let's see here if I can find it. Um. Well, he took him before. He took him before Mayor. He took him before Mayor. And it three, a, three eleven. Three eleven. And then what did Mayor go? Five three. Five three. Yeah. To Austin. You know, I think that there's a case that Mayor should be taken over Gilbert. Gilbert went in the um in the second round. It, it was it a mistake for uh for our friend to take Weidemeyer over Mayor. Bruning, what what do you think? Nah, he's got those fancy analytics, and if if his fancy analytics say that Jalen Watermeyer should go second, then take him. I don't have an issue with it. I I like Mayer. I, I Gilbert's still the number one for me, and then Mayer does come in second. I do think Mayer's going to be better than Watermeyer, but in the one that we did, I took Watermeyer pretty high too. I might have taken him over Mayer as well, to be honest with you. So I don't think there's as big a gap between Watermeyer and Mayer as there is between. Gilbert and Mayer, and I think all three of those guys are very close together, in my opinion. So, Jarek is extremely smart when it comes to all that stuff. He he flashes a lot of stuff. He throws a lot of stuff at us that I, I'm going to be honest, don't understand one bit. Uh, but he knows what he's talking about. So, if he likes Jalen Weidermeyer that much more, I'm not going to question him. And he is 2022 eligible, where uh, Meyer's not going to be eligible until 2023. Uh, Austin, what are your thoughts? I mean, was it a mistake to take Weidermeyer or Mayer? I, I have Mayer rated just above Weidermeyer, but I think if you follow the premise or the belief that tight ends take two or three years in the NFL to develop, then you might as well take the guy that's one year older and get that process over one year faster than you would with Mayer. Um, I don't. I think if that's your thought process, then I think that that's a smart as smart play. Um, I did think Mayor went criminally low, and I wasn't even planning on taking a tight end like at all in the first ten to fifteen rounds here. But I had to take Mayor in the fifth because I was like, I don't. I this kid's the value here is way too good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there. I think all of them will be good NFL tight ends. 
I think that Mayer could potentially be an elite tight end just because of his size, size speed combo. I mean, he's going to be 260, 270 pounds and probably run a, between a 4.5 and a 4.6. And he's just, I mean, he's just a player that you don't want to tackle. He can catch the ball. And with Tommy Trimble leaving, he is going to be the number one tight end there for either, well, Jack Cohn or Tyler Buechner at, at, Notre, at Notre Dame. Um, and so, I, you know, I think that it was a mistake to take Weidermeyer. Um, over Mayer only because I think Mayer is elite. I don't think that Weidermeyer is elite. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. We've got uh, some mailbag questions. Some uh, folks on Twitter were kind enough to send to us. I'm going to send this first one to Mr. Bruning. This is from Todd Riley, at one Todd Riley on Twitter. Todd says, there are several teams, perhaps more, that have an abundance of riches in the backfield. Who would you? Who would be the best back negatively affected by a situation like that? Basically, who will see limited time, fly under the radar, and perhaps be a fantastic back? I think that Todd is referring to here. You know what we saw in uh, North Carolina, for example, this year between uh, uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. They split the backfield, and J- Javante Williams emerges just in his last year before entering the NFL draft. Uh, is there a player or a, or a depth chart uh, that you see where we could get some value in the future because that the backfield, the reps are split? Yeah, uh, a guy for me that I kind of was looking at this when we talked about this question was uh, Kamar Wheaton, who's going to Alabama. I mean, you've got Brian Robinson there this year, who I think is is likely going to be one of the guys. you got Trey Sanders, who was a freshman last year, and then Wheaton coming in this year. Uh, Alabama, we've never really seen for for a lot of years now here that uh, – my God, why I cannot – why can I not remember his name? Jesus, he's only like the best coach in all of college football. Help me out here. Nick Saban. Nick Nick Saban. Saban. There we go. Sorry, my brain is completely fried right now. Uh, Nick Saban, uh, we've not always seen him give the ball all to one running back. He's had a lot of different committees, split time. I I honestly don't even expect Kamar Wheaton to get on the field this year. So if we don't see him until next year or even possibly till 2023 when he is – is he draft eligible? Yeah, 2023. No, 2024, right? So if it's 2023 is his first year playing – Coming out 2024, I just he's a guy that I think could. I'm sorry, guys, my mind is completely gone now. He's I'm just gonna stick with Kamar Wheaton, loaded backfield, Alabama. They don't always give one guy the ball. I'm gonna go with Kamar Wheaton. Uh, it's a it's a little known fact. That, I say it's a little known fact that Matt. It's actually been so cool down there that Matt's stuck to that chair. He hasn't moved in three days. So moved. someone could send help. See the from lights Matt. are going on and off now. It's it's it's, it's insane here. And we should point out that Matt is in Texas. He's dealing with the uh, power outage, power outage I- issues. He hasn't showered. He is gutting it out. He's uh, he's playing hurt. He's playing hurt tonight, boys. He's playing hurt tonight. All right, let's move on to this second question um, from Ian Lovering at Marked Man Hoops on Twitter. Where do you guys have Justin Ross currently slotted in your 22 wide receivers, factoring current health? Uh, related uncertainty, et cetera. Austin, where do you have Justin Ross, who broke out as a freshman with over just over a thousand yards, I believe, at Clemson? And I actually thought that his career was over. I mean, it was reported that way. He fell in a lot of C two C drafts, and now he's going to play. Now he's 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 back uh, with the neck with the neck injury. Where do you have Justin Ross currently slotted in your twenty twenty two wide receivers? I have him wide receiver six, and it's very close between him and Alave for me. And I think that Ross has more of a chance to be an NFL alpha than Alave does. So I, I'm tempted to even bump him just above Alave there. I, I realize that there is obviously a lot of risk with the neck and everything, but I have a hard time thinking that doctors would clear him and open themselves up to all sorts of different liability issues if you know he wasn't good to go on that end of things. Um. I mean, he the things he did at Clemson as a true freshman where he looked better than T. Higgins, who came into the NFL and didn't look out of place as a as a rookie last year. I know that his sophomore year was a little underwhelming compared to what expectations were for him. Um, but, you know, Clemson doesn't really have any proven receiving uh, guys on that depth chart. Um, you know, they lose from last year. I think their top receiver was Amari Rogers. I think second was Cornell Powell. And then I think third is Travis Etienne. So there's their third, their three biggest receiving threats all gone. 
Um, so I think that I, I'd have a hard time bumping him any higher than five, but I think, you know, five or six is kind of the spot that, that I would be comfortable taking him right now. I love having rankings now because now I can have these conversations with you guys when I didn't have rankings before. Um, yeah, Justin Ross is actually eighth for me because I'm going to assume health for him. And at, I mean, he broke out as a true freshman. He had over a thousand. I think he had a thousand one yards playing with uh, with Trevor Lawrence. And you know, I, I, that wide receiver core I think potentially could could see a boon next year um between EJ Williams and Justin Ross and with DJ Uyagalele playing you know and so um I I'm I got to assume hell I'm not a doctor I'm not a doctor I'm going to assume that he's healthy I tell you what Clemson has to get it together with their players having all these neck injuries especially at the wide receiver position but uh I like Ross I'm going to assume health I have him eighth but the good thing is is at least in C2C drafts he's probably someone that you can still get late because of the health issues. And I and the other thing I want to say about this is I think I got burned by w- worrying about separation with T Higgins. And in looking at Ross at least initially, you know, Ross is someone who ran like a 478 or something like that at the opening whenever he ran. Uh, and, and you know, I'm not going to I'm just not going to uh, get burned like that again and saying this player can't separate, especially Austin, like you said, where he uh, produced more or looked better than Higgins did um, in 20, was that 2018, 2018, 2019, whatever it was. All right. Yeah. Um, next question here from uh, Brandon at Hey B3 on Twitter on the C2C side. For every year's freshman draft, should I only go best available or should I make sure? to get a certain number of positions. For example, make sure I grab at least two QBs every year, et cetera. Uh, Bruning, what are your thoughts? Best player available, I'm assuming, or, or or do you have a – are you employing a specific strategy in freshman drafts? Uh, so probably a mixture of both. I definitely want best player available because I don't want to sit there and pass on a guy like Travion Henderson – at 1-1 just because it's super flex and I need a quarterback. Yeah, Henderson is – you're going to have – it's crazy to say, or maybe crazy to hear this, but there's going to be really talented players who are coming into college every single year out of high school. They're going to keep replacing that talent, whether you think so or not. So I definitely want to go best player available, but I do want to come away with at least one quarterback in every single freshman draft, whether it's a guy – I really believe in a guy who's a little bit lower ranked. I think all of us, when we did our, our freshman talk with uh, Brandon and some of our other episodes, there's all quarterbacks we like that are not up at the top ranks of 247 rivals ESPN whatever you prefer to use Uh, but I would definitely try and grab at least one quarterback due to it being usually a super flex format on the C2C side and then obviously the NFL side as well Austin go ahead Austin my thinking on this question has evolved a lot over the past couple years while I've been doing these leagues so I appreciate when you know somebody asks this question or when other people kind of give me their thoughts on it so when I started out doing these these leagues and I had freshman drafts or you know startups where freshmen were available, I thought, well, you know, you won as many lotto tickets as you can in this thing because all these kids are so uncertain and you don't really know what's going to happen with them. But after doing these these drafts for a couple years, I think you basically go in if you have the time and the wherewithal and everything to do your research or to have somebody that you trust that does it to trust in their process. Find the couple of guys that you think are more sure than anything else and then try to get as many of them as possible. And if you know, like if it's a snake draft that you aren't going to be in range to get any of those guys, that you just start trying to trade back as much as you can. Uh, because I feel like after those top, like you want a few of those top guys. I think you look at other rosters after a few years and you realize that you had have been much better off trading everything to get like Travion or Bijan or one of those guys and sitting there and grabbing some of these more speculative guys. So my advice is always, I don't even have like, like this year I have one running back that I love enough, three wide receivers and no quarterbacks and that's it. So if I'm in a snake draft and I know that like, and those guys are all gone by the time I pick, I'm moving backwards or doing something else because I, at this point, you know, it, uh, everything's kind of the same and you can pick up a lot of guys. Like I'm in, I'm in deep leagues. Like Colin and I joke, we're in this league together where 
Like you could put together a team that has Zach Wilson and Joe Burrow as the starting quarterbacks, Brees Hall and Kyron Williams at running back. Like these are guys that you can pick up for free or, or you know, or virtually nothing in some of these leagues. That so if you do that approach where you go top heavy, you there are plenty of other players there later on. So it sounds like the answer is is go with best player available, but you have to have a process that you believe in where you can identify who the best player available actually is. And then through the, through the season, you know, shows like ours, we're going to continue to identify the best player available so that you guys can uh, pick those players up and, and be first on them. All right. We've got one more question tonight before we close out. This is from Mark Bullum, who is a, uh, diehard fan of the show, somebody who's been following Bruning for a while. And Mark asks, uh, what is the best way to set up a C2C league when it comes to rosters, assuming they are all super flex? Who are some of the best QB values? I think that we covered some of the quarterback values earlier. But Austin, as far as the first part of this question, what's the best way to start up a C2C league? You know, positions, rosters, are we going super flex? Are we going triple flex? I've seen some triple flex leagues, at least on the on the quarterback side, or excuse me, on the NCAA side of uh, of some leagues. Now, what do you think is the best way to uh, to set up these C two C leagues? I think the best thing about them is you can do whatever you want with them. To be honest, I mean, I I, I play in a bunch of different ones with a bunch of different formats. Um, you know, IDP. You know, like that three super flex. There's a lot of really cool things you can do, especially with the college side of things, with such a deep player pool. Um, I mean, I think the best one is probably, you know, the, the 10 or 11 starters, two quarterbacks, and then, you know, fill in the rest of the skill positions from there. Um, do you guys have a preferred uh, setup? I, I like I like a lot of flex positions. I want to start a lot of players because that can kind of really test um, the knowledge base of the of the group that you're with. And I just recently saw a triple flex and I'm like, that I want that. I want I want a triple flex uh, on the uh, on the NCAA side because of how many quarterbacks there are and because of how many college games there are. I want to be able I want to have more uh, skin in all of these college on the on these college games. I want those those games that start at 10 p.m. Uh, uh, West Coast time. I want to be I want to have an interest in those games. And if you have more skill, more flex positions, more super flex positions, then those things start to matter. Bruning. Would you agree there? Yeah, I agree 100% with you, Felix. I I think having more flex positions is huge. You know, we got what I think most of the ones that I'm in, you're talking 40, 45-man rosters, so you've got plenty of depth there. I think having more flex positions, as Felix just mentioned, it it really shows how close you are actually paying attention to the college football game. And I like having more super flex positions. If you can play – more than three quarterbacks, even four quarterbacks on the college football side, I think it makes it even more fun because you got, you know, we were just talking about all the guys there. I mean, there's some of us, I drafted a guy like Grant Wells in, what was, where did I take him? Uh, in the 10th round, who I, I like, and I think he can put up a lot of points on the college football side. He's probably never going to play with me having CJ Stroud and uh, I don't even remember who the other guy was I took. No, oh, Grant Gannell. I'm going to be playing them most of the time every single week this year until they're off if they're whatever week that they have their bye weeks in between big games and whatnot. Maybe I'll throw Grant Wells in. Well, now you've got that three super flex and four super flex. All of a sudden quarterbacks, which as you guys mentioned in college football, is a lot deeper when you've got 100 plus schools there. My goodness, my lights are going all over the place, flickering all over the place here. Um I just think it's it makes it a lot more fun when you actually have to plan for having more than two quarterbacks in your roster. Obviously, you don't want to do that on the NFL side. So that makes it really hard to do. But college side, if you can do three or four quarterbacks, I think it makes it a lot more fun. Before we close the show, can I just, you know, poop on uh, Grant Wells a little bit? I mean, he was absolutely oh, god-awful in the I bowl mean, yeah, game against UAB. I mean, I, I don't think he completed a – I don't think he completed a pass until the third quarter of that game. And UAB's quarterback situation is absolutely terrible. I mean, I'm an Austin Watkins fan, so that's something that I actually um, uh, follow pretty closely. Yeah, I mean, that that it was the bowl game. It was UAB versus Marshall, and it was just a display of quarterback ineptitude. So – just wanted to say that before we close the show. Hey, we would appreciate if you guys could rate, subscribe, and review 
uh, the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. So we need some of you to go do that this week. Hey, that's going to be our show for tonight. You can find our written content in notebooks somewhere. So if you want our written content, just send us your address and we'll send you a letter. You can email the show at debate at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter, again, at debate. Apologies to Kurt Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.